Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome to episode number 211 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic, and entrepreneur. And this is a coaching podcast. You get a front row seat on this journey with me, seeing me try new things and overcoming obstacles, exploring self-improvement in every area of life. And of course, you can sit back and let me make all the mistakes, and then I'll tell you what works and what doesn't. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk with Amanda White about boundaries and feeling guilty when setting boundaries and feeling like you're a bad person for setting boundaries. Amanda was a people pleaser in a family that didn't talk about feelings. She was labeled as too emotional. So she grew up feeling like she didn't have the right to say no to things or stand up for herself. And like many of us as helping professionals, Your own journey of healing your wounds is what leads you to do this work because it's so heart-centered and passion-based. I know for me, I have such a desire to help people on their journey because I know firsthand how hard this is. I know what it feels like to look at your life and feel disgusted and defeated. I know what it feels like to think you'll never get your life together and be a good person because so many areas of your life are messed up and you can't even figure out where to start. Like That's where I was. And our guest today knows that journey too. She struggled with super high expectations of herself, and of course, the shame that comes when you don't meet those expectations. And all that shame manifested through drinking and eating disorder, unhealthy relationships, and all those things we do, right? I think we can all relate to that. So welcome to episode 211. I'd love to introduce you to Amanda White. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this episode with me. I'm really excited to get into some more boundaries conversation. I've been doing a series with my audience. We've been doing this series on codependence, boundaries, and self-esteem. So I thought you would be the perfect person to come on and dig a little deeper into that topic of boundaries. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So why don't we take a minute to start and just tell everybody a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Amanda White. You might know me on Instagram as therapy for women. I am sober. I've been in recovery for seven and a half years now, and I'm a licensed therapist who specializes in addiction. And I also uh, wrote a book where I really talk a lot about boundaries and go into kind of all of the work that I do with clients of kind of how do we, once we stop drinking or using or whatever that behavior is, how do we, you know, create that real emotional sobriety, that recovery underneath the surface that will allow us to maintain that recovery long term. Nice. Yeah, we do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. <laughs> 
<laughs> so digging into boundaries, I think my first curiosity is what are the biggest mistakes you see people make when setting boundaries or not setting? I mean, really the biggest mistake is not setting boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when people start doing that, yeah. start trying to set some healthy boundaries, what are the biggest mistakes you see them make? I think one thing that really stops people from setting boundaries or uh, makes them set ineffective boundaries is guilt. I mean, almost everyone, when they start setting boundaries, feels like they're maybe a bad person or they're going to hurt someone's feelings. And um, with that kind of misappropriation of guilt, it can stop us from setting the boundary or we can like not set the boundary that we want because we're afraid of their reaction. And was this something for you that was a part of your personal recovery? Like, is that what led you to want to do this work? Yes. Yes. I was a huge people pleaser. I kind of grew up in a family where we didn't talk about our emotions. I was often told I was too much. I was too emotional. I didn't see healthy conflict happen in my family. And often if I said no to something, um, it wasn't really accepted. So I didn't even understand that I had the power or the choice to be able to say no to something or um, share how I felt until I was quitting drinking and going through that process. And I realized how hard it was for me to speak up and be honest. Yeah. And I think that's a huge piece, self-esteem piece too, yeah. right? It's like, I didn't feel like I had the right to stand up for myself. And I didn't love myself enough to create that situation yeah. for myself. You know, like I always felt like I had to cower to whoever, whatever situation, whatever the thing was in the moment. Like yeah. I always had to shrink down um, and submit almost to whatever the, the other thing was. Like I didn't even deserve to protect myself or stand up for myself or speak up for myself. Yeah. And I think if someone, if we grow up and we don't see that modeled for us, you know, or we see like, especially I think about my mom and my relationship with my mom and my dad, I really was kind of taught like women, you know, are kind of supposed to submit and not make too much of a big deal. And this is what it is to be a lady. And this whole kind of understanding, it's hard to even recognize what we're doing. Yeah, definitely. It's been a huge part of my recovery work too, is really understanding that. And it's crazy in recovery. Like when you look back how you, at whatever point, it's at a different mm -hmm. point for everybody, right? But it, that you can start connecting those dots And like where one of my favorite things when I got sober was I remember sitting in the rooms of AA and listening to people share their stories and their experiences and their lives and whatever. And I always felt like, I felt like every single day I was learning so much about myself. And for the first time, I was starting to make sense to myself, you know, like, oh, yeah. damn, I did that too. That's the same thing that happened to me. And I was having all these light bulb moments and my whole recovery has been exactly that, right? Looking yeah. back, starting to connect the dots and and so healing in the way that 
I talk a lot about, I always, for a long, long time, I felt like I was defective. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was broken and not repairable. And I would just die broken, right? That's how it was going to go. And through my recovery, I've gotten to understand that I'm totally freaking fixable. Number one. And number two, there's nothing wrong with me. Like it's not broken. These are just patterns and, and habits and behaviors that are passed down generation to generation to generation. And yeah, yeah, we just pick up that stuff and run with it. Absolutely. One of the biggest things that I struggled with and learned in recovery was because I was such a people pleaser, I really identified as being a really nice person because I would say yes to everyone, even when I wanted to say no. And it was really amazing when I was in therapy myself, um, my therapist talked to me about how, if you're always saying yes, when you want to say no, you're not actually being nice. It's manipulative (laughs) because you're saying yes to get people to like you. And that really negatively impacts your self-esteem because I built this whole persona on people like me and are friends with me because of what I do for them. Right. So if I were to say no, they wouldn't like me. And if I want to say no, I'm not that person. So I really struggled with my confidence when my worth came from something external, what I could do for someone else. For sure. And isn't that, I mean, the crux of addiction for sure is that always reaching for something outside of us to change how we feel on the inside. You know, it's always about people or things, you know, drugs and alcohol or shopping. It's always external things that we're trying to use to manipulate how we feel on the inside. Exactly. So when somebody wants to start Okay, let's take people pleasing because this yeah. is a term that everybody knows. And so many people I hear with my clients and in groups and things like that, people really self identify as people yeah. pleaser pretty comfortably. Yeah. So let's start with people pleasing. If somebody right now today listening to this podcast wants to start changing this behavior, what are some things they can do starting right now to change? people pleasing. One of the biggest things that you can do and start practicing is saying no. So it can be something small. You don't have to go from kind of zero to a hundred and start saying no every time you want to necessarily, but just getting into the habit. I think so often we're in the habit of just saying, yes, if someone asks us for a favor, if someone asks to borrow something, whatever it is, we just always say yes. And you can start by practicing saying no Or if that's too big of a step, you can also practice saying, let me get back to you. Because sometimes in the moment, it's just so easy if we've been saying yes, we don't even know how to handle if we said no. And if we can take a break and say, hey, let me look at my schedule. Let me look at what's going on. Let me get back to you. We can kind of take that pause. And then in the moment, it's a little easier to come back and say, hey, actually, this doesn't work for me right now. Yeah, that's so good. It just, it, you're just hitting the pause button. Yeah. And that's really what we need yeah. <laughs> in almost yeah. everything in communication. When, when conversation starts to feel like confrontation, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we all need is just the pause button for a second. So yeah, yeah that's really, really good. Let me get back to you. I hope you guys yeah. are writing that down right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> this, is, this is your new key phrase. Let me get back to you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I think the other thing that can really kind of prevent people is um, I think people put pressure on themselves that they have to make the boundary work in one conversation. And sometimes boundaries may take a few conversations. You might try to set a boundary and you might not get the words out or it might the person might not get it. And then someone will give up and just be like, well, I tried. It didn't work. I'm not able to do it. But boundaries aren't just something that you just set one time and, and they're permanent. Like they are, I kind of give the metaphor sometimes of boundaries are like a fence and you have to physically maintain the fence. You have to paint the fence. Someone, you know, an animal or a storm might rip part of the fence down. You've got to build it back up. So if people can kind of shift from this, this one and done mentality to boundaries are a process that will change and I will need to maintain over time, there can be less pressure to set the perfect boundary or make it work right away. We just need to practice starting sometimes. Yes. And we can't always be perfect ourselves in this either, right? Like I'm always having to coach myself through where I start to fall off on some boundaries, you know, and, and I'll do something that maybe I don't really want to do, or I don't have time, or I'm really exhausted and I'll do it anyway. And, and this is a really hard one for me. I will spread myself way too thin and then I have to check myself, you know, and be like, okay, why are you saying yes so much? Like why, like to your detriment, why are you saying yes to your detriment? Like this is not okay. So it is, it's maintenance and it's Mm -hmm. ongoing. Yeah. I appreciate that you pointed that out because we have these unrealistic expectations. I think in this whole journey of life, There's so Mm -hmm. many things we think of as one and done, like, oh, I'm just going to have that conversation one time and it's over. But the truth is it's an ongoing conversation. All of it is an ongoing conversation with myself as well. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's never just going to be, I think there's this idea that we can set perfect boundaries. And if we find the perfect boundary, our life will be perfect or we'll never struggle And boundaries are just one tool and they can make a really big difference and help us. But to your point, they're, they're a process. They're never going to be something that's perfect. And boundaries also won't prevent you from struggling with being a human. (laughs) Yeah. And they will change as I change too. And as my lifestyle changes, right? Because I have to be more mindful of time boundaries today. More so than I had to be five years ago, right? Because my life has changed and evolved and I have much less time, you know? So yeah, it is. And that again is the maintenance piece. Like you're always going to be maintaining and checking and checking in with yourself and resetting boundaries and changing the boundaries. And yeah, I guess that's where communication gets really important too. (laughs) (laughs) Challenging, but very important. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the most important boundaries people need to be aware of in their life? Like, again, if somebody were just starting today, what are some of the most important boundaries to consider as a starting point? So boundaries can kind of be broken up into a few different categories. And sometimes that can be helpful when people are trying to figure out what kind of boundaries they want. Um, You had already mentioned time boundaries. You're going to 
think about, you know, how much time do you have? How much time do you want to fill? There's physical boundaries, which kind of involve, you know, um, how close you feel comfortable with someone, whether you shake someone's hand, whether you, you know, your actual physical closeness, there's material boundaries, which are how, like, whether you lend things to people, whether you share, um, things like that. And then two of the hardest ones are emotional boundaries and mental boundaries. So a lot of people struggle with emotional boundaries. Those refer to whether you, when you're with someone, you take on their emotions, if they're in a bad mood, whether you can separate yourself emotionally from them. That's a lot of times where codependency comes in. We feel responsible for someone else. Um, and mental boundaries are like what topics you will talk about with people. You know, if you're someone who's just getting sober, you might not be interested in talking about, um, you know, going to a bar or drinking or old behaviors you were doing. And those are some that are important also. That is such an important one to talk about because... <laughs> It's something I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in conversations that you're not really that comfortable with about yes. whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I know conversations can turn political, conversations mm -hmm. can turn a little sexual. And a lot of women, yeah. like, even if it's just a joke and it's pretty much harmless, but a lot of yeah. people are not comfortable with that, right? Like, I don't necessarily think that's funny. And, yeah. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I would have never really thought about that as a major boundary, but yeah, that's huge. That's super important. And I think because it's not thought about, we can pretend we're okay with certain conversations because we don't want to make a fuss or we don't want to, you know, come across as, you know, being uptight or whatever, but especially when it comes to recovery, it is really important to take care of yourself in those moments and to not put yourself in a position where it's going to upset you or you'll be triggered. And you're essentially teaching people, right. How to, how to talk to you. You're teaching people boundaries might be, you know, an investment and annoying to set in the moment, but it's taking care of your future self because then you know that you're taken care of and they're not going to bring that up in the next conversation you have. And the truth is, if somebody is going to have a negative judgment about me because I don't want to engage in whatever they're engaging in, I don't want that person around me anyway. Like yeah. that's not my vibe, right? <laughs> like yeah. I'm not around to be judgy. And I, I was thinking too, when you were talking that I am really sensitive to this with gossip. Like, mm -hmm. I don't like to gossip. I don't yeah. want to talk about other people, you know, it, unless yeah. there's like some real genuine concern, but right. it's not my thing to just gossip. And I don't like to engage in that. And I've definitely had people get their feelings hurt where they felt like I was judging them. And I was like, no, I don't care what you do. I'm just not yeah. going to be a part of it. Like, that's not yeah. how I want to spend my time. You can do whatever you want. I don't care. I don't love you less. I just yeah. don't want to engage in it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think gossip is a really good example because it's something that um, a lot of it's so normalized and a lot of people don't feel comfortable with it, but don't necessarily want to speak up. Yeah. And it is, I mean, it's just unhealthy in general. 
And when people are engaging in negative gossip, for sure, it's to me is really showing more their own insecurities and self-esteem issues, right? And I'm just not going to co-sign that. I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon. Like, I just don't want any part of it. There's so many other fantastic things to talk about. (laughs) I I just have no desire to gossip. (laughs) Absolutely. So what was your journey like to becoming a therapist? Like, were you already a therapist before you got sober or was this a part of your recovery journey? It was a part of my recovery journey. I was in therapy, um, working on other mental health issues and things like that. And I was going to grad school actually to become a therapist. And I started to realize that my drinking was escalating a lot. And there was a lot of denial there, you know, with my own therapist thinking that I was different, that I didn't have a problem. I spent a lot of time moderating and trying to prove that I could moderate successfully, but in the end I was unable to. And, um, yeah, I really had a moment thankfully of where I paid attention after a really bad night of drinking, where I realized how can I become a therapist if this is like how I'm acting and how will I be able to be effective and improve my self-esteem if every time I drink, I'm doing things that are against my values. So that was a big turning point for me. Yeah, I think too, even in in any helping profession, I've always like one of my favorite things about being a helping professional is it definitely holds me to a higher standard also, right? Like I can't be telling my clients to do X, Y, Z if I'm not doing my own work. And I won't even understand the work if I haven't done it myself. And if I don't have the willingness, because there's such a journey that goes with self-help too. Mm -hmm. Like, and just like you said, trying to moderate with drinking, we do all of those kind of things with our unhealthy struggles also. In AA, we call them character defects, you know, or mental health issues, like whatever the things are, we do the same type of stuff, trying to fix it on our own and figure it out. And some things you really can, but you have to be prepared that it is a long journey and getting to the place of understanding it and being willing to do the work and then figuring out what that work looks like all of that is are pieces of the puzzle that I wouldn't know if I wasn't doing it myself. And how can I teach it or ask it of others if I'm not doing it myself? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a big believer in some of the best helping professionals have you know been on the other side of it and have worked through their issues too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, life gives everybody plenty of issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> life is not a simple or easy game to play. That's for sure. What for you, having your own recovery process, right? And mm-hmm. understanding that from the inside out, what for you is the most rewarding thing about your work? Mm. I think the most rewarding thing about my work is um, just getting to see people change is just miraculous. You know, I think especially in this day and age where hope is hard to come by sometimes, 
people being able to change is just so phenomenal to be able to watch and be a small part of. And it just really kind of restores your faith in like the goodness of people and being able to see people intimately. It really gives you the perspective that a lot of times people are doing the best they can. They might not be, it might not be what we want, might be harming someone or, you know, doing something to harm themselves. But most people I think are really trying their best and they might need more support. Yeah. I think this goes with my thing with gossip too, is where gossip, when it's gossipy, judgmental, you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of gossip, um, I think it lacks a lot of empathy and in that exactly what you said, most people really are doing the best they can and understanding that everybody is different and not everybody has the same ideas. Like I remember I'm a total nerd, right? And I am, (laughs) I am a lifelong learner. Like I literally Mm -hmm. want to know everything Mm -hmm. and I Google the life out of everything. Like I am (laughs) incapable of just wondering something, right? If somebody asks me a question and I don't know the answer, I will not be able to relax until I go on Google and find out the answer. And not even that I always remember it. I just, I just love to learn. And I remember, I remember a couple of years ago saying to somebody, Google, yada, 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 whatever it was. And they were like, oh my gosh, Angela, thank you so much for saying, I never would have thought of that. And I'm like, how the F do you not think of that? (laughs) You know, because that's my first go-to. Yeah. That was such a light bulb moment for me to realize that not everybody thinks the same way. Mm -hmm. So what is so natural for me to seek information and find Mm -hmm. the answers and figure things out, that is not second nature to everyone else. Yeah, And when you get in that gossipy, judgmental thing and putting judgments on people for their behavior, their choices, or their speak or whatever it might be, it just lacks so much empathy and just allowing people to just be who they are and understand nobody has to be who you want them to be. People don't have to behave the way you want them to like, just let everybody be. Yeah. And I think that is a misconception with boundaries that boundaries are making people do what you want them to do or punishing people or forcing something and boundaries aren't something you're doing to someone else. They're a boundary or they're, you know, a limit that you're setting around yourself and your life. And they get to choose whether they want to still be a part of your life after you set that boundary or not. But just like a fence isn't punishing someone (laughs) to walk on the sidewalk, a boundary isn't going to change someone or make them do what you want them to do necessarily. For sure. They're just not going to do it in my space. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I said, with the gossip thing, I was like, no, do whatever you want. I don't care what you talk about. I just care if I'm involved or not. That's all you do, whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Amanda, last question, favorite question. Yeah. What is your favorite thing about being a sober person? Mm. My favorite thing about being a sober person is getting to be fully present for life. 
it can sometimes be more painful for sure. But I really adhere and believe the quote by Brene Brown, who kind of says that when you numb um, the pain, you also numb joy in your life. And that was where I was during my addiction is I was not able to be present to small things like, you know, I don't know, it's spring right now. So like, you know, cherry blossoms, flowers blooming, the temperature changing a little bit, these small things at the end of the day, I think really are what we remember and are these moments that do matter. And I'm so grateful that I got sober when I was young enough that I get to experience a lot of my life being fully present for, you know, hard times, but also really beautiful times. Amen to that. I love that. And I want to definitely make sure that people can find you on Insta. You said you're pretty active on Insta. Yeah. So I'll include that link in the show notes. And I want to remind everyone too that we do have a resource library. I've put together a whole resource library on codependence, boundaries, and self-esteem. There are so many great pieces of information in there explaining what this stuff is, how, how to start changing your perspective, how to start making changes in your own life and being more healthy in those ways. And you can get that at addictionunlimited.com forward slash 211 because this is episode 211. You can always also get it from some of the other episodes, but this fits <laughs> perfectly in our series. And I just want to remind everybody that that resource library is available. It's totally free, addictionunlimited.com forward slash 211. And Amanda, thank you again for coming on and having this conversation with us. Such a pleasure getting to know you. Thank you so much. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast, candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.